Bulletproof Radio, a state of high performance. You're listening to Bulletproof Radio with Dave Asprey. Today's cool fact of the day is really exciting. It's about an autoimmune condition that causes hypothyroidism. Actually, it's about burnout because a low-functioning thyroid is something that happens when you push your limits for too long. And it turns out Hashimoto's thyroiditis is the most common cause of hypothyroidism, which right now officially occurs in about five out of 100 people in the US. But not everyone with Hashimoto's gets hypothyroidism. And the reason this is part of, well, today's episode, if you haven't guessed already, is that a surprising number of game changers, of high-performance people who are just out there to change the world, uh, we're the ones who do things that cause autoimmunity because we like to push ourselves harder and not recover enough. And Hashimoto's is one of many manifestations of autoimmunity, which if you read my new book, Game Changers, uh, I I write a lot about how I believe the numbers from memory are somewhere you think about 40% of people have one type of autoimmunity. This is when your immune system attacks your blood vessels, your nerves, your brain, your kidneys. In fact, autoimmunity of the kidneys killed my grandfather. And what's going on here is if you listen to the show, you're burning the candle at both ends and in the middle, your odds of having that are way higher than the average odds, which are somewhere around 30, 40%. So you got to pay attention to this stuff because if your thyroid is what gets hit, guess what your thyroid controls? It controls all of your energy metabolism. Not enough thyroid hormone, not enough mitochondrial energy, not enough electrons, not enough willpower, not enough immune function, not enough protein folding. Basically, everything goes to hell. And I know this from personal experience. So what we're going to talk about today on the show is tied to that crazy Hashimoto's cool fact of the day, which is how to avoid getting autoimmunity from burnout. What if there was a way to level up your energy, get rid of stress, and take more control of your body? Welcome to Quantum Upgrade. This is a new technology that taps into quantum energy to help you feel amazing. Quantum Upgrade has a lot of different products that help protect you from EMF and help activate your body's natural healing abilities. You can expect better sleep, more resilience, less stress, and better blood flow. The cool thing about Quantum Upgrade is that the products are backed by a lot of heavy-duty scientific studies, and there's a new measurable upgrade. You can now use Quantum Upgrade to increase your consciousness levels between 1,400 and 2,200 on the Hawkins map of consciousness. If you don't know what that means, do some research because it's impressive, it's fun to learn about, and it's something that I've come to understand. Ready to try Quantum Upgrade? Visit quantumupgrade.io slash Dave for a seven-day free trial. What if there was a way to feel younger for longer? Well, there is. Your body needs something called the NAD plus molecule to help you age well. When you're young, your body makes a lot of NAD plus, and that helps you make energy. It helps you keep your DNA healthy, absorb nutrients well, and it protects your cells from stress. But once you hit about 30, your NAD plus levels start to drop. The good news is that longevity scientists have found some things that can help, like niacin, niacinamide, and niagen. They help your body make more NAD+, even as you age. All three of these are in an amazing formula called Qualia NAD+. Check out Qualia NAD+, risk-free, for up to 100 days at neurohacker.com slash Dave15 to save an extra 15%. That's neurohacker.com slash Dave15, Qualia NAD+. 
it's what I use. And the expert on today's show has been on Bulletproof Radio before. She's featured in Game Changers and is uh, uh, just a, a profoundly knowledgeable and approachable human being with a degree in pharmacology. Uh, she's internationally acclaimed as a thyroid specialist and wrote her first book after she was diagnosed with Hashimoto's in 2009 and went from being this really smart, high-energy pharmacist to what the hell just happened to me. And she's authored a couple of books that are New York Times bestsellers about this and is an acknowledged expert in the field and the person I send my friends to when they say, Dave, I have Hashimoto's, I don't know what to do. Her name is Isabella Wentz. Isabella, welcome to the show. Hi, Dave. It's so great to be here with you again. I put you in Game Changers just so I'd have an excuse to interview you again. Oh, no. thank you. Actually, I put you <laughs> in there because you're a Game Changer. And you very uh, very intelligently and, and approachably put out these books about Hashimoto's. Did you think that they were going to be international bestsellers when you wrote them? I really didn't. I just was trying to get myself better. And I had this awful, awful brain fog. So I was spending all this time in PubMed and looking at these research studies. And then I was forgetting everything, right? And so I was like, okay, I need to write this stuff down so that I remember it and keep it organized so I know what to do. And eventually I was hoping that whatever I tried would make me better and that it would help other people feel better too. And and it did. And, and now is. I was sort of like an N of one of, you know, maybe this will work or this supplement or this diet or this intervention. And my story, it was amazing, just ended up resonating with so many other people who went through very similar trajectories with their symptoms, with what they heard from their doctors, with what made them feel better, with what made them feel worse. And it was quite amazing with my first book. It was a self-published book. And it ended up reaching the New York Times, which uh, apparently was like the first book to do that and unheard of. It never happens. So I've had a couple of books on there. So have you. And, and if you're listening to this, you go, oh, the New York Times is based on sales. It's not. It's based on some random thing uh, where it, if you're somehow cool enough, but if you're not published by a traditional publisher, you just don't make it on the list. It is a hard rule. And Isabella was the first person that I know of to break the rule. Uh, so that means you didn't just sell a lot of books. You sold an incredible lot of books with a lot of credibility. So, uh, and, and the other thing too, it's, it's all about, you know, if you're making an impact in society and so many people have Hashimoto's and so many people don't get the answers that they need that I feel like perhaps my book actually gave people some solutions and it, people started talking about it word of mouth. The reason, well, that that's the reason you're a game changer. The reason uh, you've been on the show a couple of times, plus you're just an expert and so many people listening way more than average um, have at least one manifestation of autoimmunity. Uh, just because if you're attracted to Bulletproof Radio, you're probably doing something big or you want to do something big or like you, you just, you have aspirations. You want to be better, right? Law number 13 in Game Changers is don't push your limits for too long. And the little subdescription is, the only time an animal pushes itself until it drops is when it's starving or being hunted. When you push yourself without recovery, your body believes you're under threat. A brilliant automatic system kicks in and shuts down the less necessary systems in your body, the ones that keep you young, the ones that keep you happy, the ones that help you think. You must learn to be a professional recovery artist. Screw running, marathon every day, sprint rest, sprint instead. 
massively create and then massively rest to keep your passion and your meat alive for the whole race. And and your story's in there. What happens, Isabella, when people don't sleep and they work all the time under high stress? Like walk me through the cascade of biology. Sure. So I like to call this the safety theory um, of of thyroid disease, of how it develops. One of the things that's I like to think about, and, and you know, if we can go back to, to caveman and cavewoman times, as you said, when would a caveman or a cavewoman really push themselves, right? It would be in times of famine or war or some sort of a threat. And what really helps a person when there's a famine, right? How do you, how do you survive a famine? You basically digest your own tissues and then you kill your friends and eat them. <laughs> well, it, that's one way to do it, right? Yeah. I don't know how you do it, Isabella. <laughs> I've got recipes for that. No, but I, <laughs> did I say I have a cookbook coming out? Uh, you, you do actually. <laughs> Hashimoto's Food Pharmacology, which I was going to talk about, but that was the worst introduction <laughs> to your own cookbook I've ever heard in like 600 episodes. So thank you for that. <laughs> so, um, so we're actually, when I think about a famine, one, one of the really great ways to survive that is to be able to survive on less food, right? Yep. And so when you have a slowed metabolism, you don't need to eat as much food. And when we look at people with an underactive thyroid, the thyroid controls our metabolism. The thyroid, when it's underactive, is going to slow down our metabolism. Therefore, we, we're going to be able to survive that famine. Um, thyroid conditions also lead us to not be super energetic, not be super ambitious, maybe not have all of these big, um, abilities to complete our goals. And so a caveman or cave woman would be most likely to spend more time in their cave, resting, napping, hibernating to get through a rough time, um, when they had low thyroid function, right? It, it's sort of like if, if you don't have enough money for your electric bill, you turn down the heat because you're going to run out of money and then you'll have nothing, right? Okay. Exactly. It's a, it's a brilliant design that our body has. It's, you know, adaptive physiology. Great example of that, of how under times of stress, our body just knows to shut down or slow things down, right? To help us survive. And the, the challenges in our modern world, we don't get those breaks. So we kind of were pushed to our limits with, with all of these different things in our environment. One of them is just an example of processed food, right? If um, generally a caveman or a cave woman probably wouldn't be eating grass, right? Probably not. I guess if you're really hungry, you can make soup out of it. But yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, and when we look at our modern diet, we look at the big source of a lot of our food is going to be wheat, which which is a grass, and we it's going to be highly processed for us to actually make it. I use quotations, but edible. And so a lot of times when we're eating foods that aren't working for us. Um, that we're not digesting properly, that's going to lead us to um, send that signal of famine stress to our bodies. Our body's going to say like, holy cow, you know, there must be a famine. Otherwise, why the hell is this person eating all this crap that I can't digest properly? <laughs> that, that's awesome. <laughs> so you eat stuff that isn't compatible with your biology. It tells your body there's a famine, which slows down your thyroid. Is that kind of the chain of events? Yeah. I mean, just in very basic terms, like that's how I like to explain things. So you can, you can explain this to like a little kid or a caveman or a cave woman, like that's what happens. And, and there's different, um, you know, I could cite different scientific studies with 
with different damage-associated molecular proteins and patterns that get released when the thyroid gland senses these things in our environment, when it senses that there's something going on, whether that is um, you know, famine or damage or some sort of a stressor, it helps us by um, turning down its metabolism. And one of the ways is by attacking itself, right? Or getting the body to attack the thyroid gland. How does that ongoing stress, whether it's from uh, you know, not sleeping, uh, emotional stress, or eating food that's not compatible with you. Even if you think it's a good diet, it doesn't, you know, I, I'm eating healthy. It, it, you read it in a book somewhere, but it wasn't right for your body. Uh, how does that make the body attack other tissues? Like you have brain autoimmunity and you have clearly the thyroid stuff. Um, what's going on with that, that sort of inherent self-immune dysregulation? Do you have any thoughts from your, your pharmacology perspective? You know, really in my perspective is, is there something within the body that's telling the immune system that it needs to be fixed or that it needs to be regulated? So um, the, the different things that could set off an autoimmune response, and in my experience, they're going to be um, food sensitivities so foods that are not compatible with us, they're going to be nutrient deficiencies. So for whatever reason, we don't have that one nutrient and there's, there's this imbalanced system and there's some inflammation happening within um, that part of our physiology and the immune system tries to go in and fix it. It might be an infection. It might be a toxin. Um, very, very kind of interesting line of work is figuring out which infections can be triggering the immune response. So we know that um, for example, the infection H. pylori, if we have that in one part of our stomach, that could lead to a condition known as pernicious anemia. This is an autoimmune condition. This is the we same know- thing that causes ulcers. Exactly, right. exactly. It can cause a whole host of dif- different issues. And when the immune system sees something that's not supposed to be there, it's causing inflammation. It, my theory is initially it goes in to try to fix things. Um, but what, what can happen is... Um, One of the theories is called the bystander effect or molecular mimicry is another one. Uh, With the bystander effect, it's like the immune system goes to attack the the infection and it accidentally attacks its home as well. So it attacks the tissue that the infectious organism lives in. What if you just have like a really mean boss, uh, your significant other is a a total mean person uh, and you don't have enough money uh, and uh, your house was just destroyed in a flood. Okay, I'm talking about like lifestyle stress. That, that would suck. <laughs> yeah, well, that would suck, right? What does that do to your risk of uh, of autoimmunity? And do we know why that happens? With any kind of traumatic stressors, there's there's a whole host of studies that have shown that early childhood trauma, even trauma, you know, in adults, recent trauma, trauma that's been unprocessed or as undigested as I like to call it, all these things have are going to be increasing the rates of auto, the autoimmune response. And when, um, how can I put this in very simple terms? Basically, whenever we have trauma that we're living through or living in or re-experiencing, that's going to set off our immune system and our, our whole body to go into more of a fight and flight response rather than a rest, digest, and heal. And so we're going to be setting out these um, chemicals to break down the body instead of build it back up. So we 
might be putting our bodies into more of this like catabolic process where we're not utilizing our nutrients properly. Their nutrients are going to be shunted to produce these stress hormones instead of fixing the body. And every body has inflammation happening in it every single day, right? And, and it's a matter of how our body um, internalizes that inflammation and, and keeps things in balance. And when we're in a traumatic, stressful state, we're producing more of the break yourself down kind of chemicals rather than the build yourself back up chemicals. And, you know, anabolic, catabolic are some of the, the terms you may hear thrown around. And, and that's essentially what we do when we're in a high stress state. We're breaking ourselves down to create fuel to get through that to get through that time. So that emotional stress, uh, it, it basically leads to all these disaster responses in the body that turn on the autoimmunity. It's real. Yeah. Norepinephrine okay. can leak the gut. There's, there's just so many intricate ways that this can happen. Right. So for, let's say you're, uh, in school and you're studying really hard and working a job, uh, like I, I did in my undergrad or you know, you're working to start a company, it's your side gig, but you know, it's taking all your time, uh, which is kind of how I started Bulletproof. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I've lived this. That's why I'm asking these questions. What could people do to not get Hashimoto's or some other autoimmune thing when they're under times of real serious stress? You know, a really, really big part of it is self-care. Um, going to, I, I say a lot of times just kind of doing the basics. So what are the very basics of self-care is making sure that you're getting enough sleep. That's going to be huge. Making sure that you're getting kind of like a healing, loving touch and whether that's from your partner or from a massage therapist or somebody. Or like a dachshund. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or a little cute, <laughs> sweet dog that sits on your lap and is blind and loves to do podcasts with you. <laughs> um, yeah. Just getting, getting some of that love. Um, Sitting in an infrared sauna, this is a really great way to kind of relax yourself, detoxify yoga, meditation, any, any things like that, that put your body into that rest and digest calm state are going to help. I also recommend doing a lot of nutrients and digestive enzymes when you're in that high stress state. We know that stress shuts down our digestion, so we're more likely to not produce enough stomach acid. When we don't have enough stomach acid, that means we're not digesting our foods properly. That means that we're not extracting the nutrients from them and that we could become more sensitive to the food. So even the the amazing kale juice smoothies, which I know you love kale so much. Um, <laughs> that was just mean. <laughs> I know, I know. But um, even the healthy foods that we're eating, we can become sensitive to when we're under a lot of stress. Um, and, and another part of it is going to be cleaning up our diet and figuring out what's, what's working for us, what's causing us, um, what's soothing for us versus what's causing us to be more stressed out and more inflamed. Though, those are really the starting points is, you know, nutrition, self-care, self-love, trying to figure out how to, um, how to make yourself feel better and more calm amid, in the storm. Okay. That sounds really good. So now I'm working really hard. My company might not succeed. Uh, I'm still working my day job, um, slinging coffee at the local coffee shop. And, you know, I still have a mean boyfriend or girlfriend, whatever. And get rid of that mean boyfriend or girlfriend. Like, I mean, that's. <laughs> You're like, okay, yeah. Jettison yeah. that baggage. All right, I hear you there. Yeah. Uh, but so it's really easy to say you need a lot of self care, but 
self-care is really expensive, right? It takes time, which is the biggest expense, and it takes money, which is the other biggest expense. So what are some of the most effective self-care things that you have found for the like hundreds of thousands of people who, who use your work? You know, like just really basic things like doing a foot soak with Epsom salts. You can get Epsom salts for a few dollars at, um, you know, any store and soaking your feet with, with the Epsom salts can be tremendously game changing. It's, it's kind of like doing the uh, float tank, but at a smaller level. So you get some of that beneficial relaxing magnesium into your system and it's a nice, very nice ritual that can help you. So that's a really great um, place to start. Doing an Epsom salt bath is if you want to take it one up, you know, one notch up, maybe putting some lavender essential oils into that. That that can be a very, very cheap thing that you can do in your very own home. Um, you know, some of the other things I found to be really helpful are getting that massage. One way to hack that is to go to a massage therapy school where you're going to be worked on by student massage therapists. And they might not have that perfect um, bedside manner quite yet, but they're going to help you get the massage. Uh, getting one of those massage chairs and, and the Whole Foods, you know, you, if you're creative, you can really work to make this happen for yourself. Um, and, and another thing I always tell people is you are worth it. You know, you're worth the time, you're worth the money, you're worth the investment to, um, to get yourself better and on that path of self-care. This may sound a little bit ridiculous, but when I was working on losing that hundred pounds of weight and, you know, succeeding in Silicon Valley, uh, I, in my early thirties, I'm like, wow, actually this whole massage thing, it turns out touch does have an effect uh, and uh, some personal development retreat or, or another somewhere convinced me of that. And I said, all right. So I'm like, God, massages are like 250 bucks in, in Palo Alto. That's a lot of money. So I went down the street and found the little strip mall massage joint where they were like $45. I'm like, okay, I'm getting a massage there. And all was really good until the very end of the massage where I realized it wasn't that kind of a place. Uh, and I'm like, maybe Oops. I should, maybe I should go to the other kind of massage place uh, that actually did happen. Uh, and I was no, like, I'm not joking. <laughs> I'm like, wow. You, you'd think that'd be a more expensive massage, right? You'd think it was like right here on El Camino Real. Who would have, who would have imagined? Uh, so I'm like, all right, uh, not, not my gig, but that said, you know, uh, $45 for a massage. There are a lot of places, a lot of bigger cities where there are reputable places where you can go and they just don't charge as much as a, as a spa. There's services where. Um, they'll send uh, someone to your house, kind of like Uber for a massage, uh, which is sixty dollars. Yeah. Um, so you look at that and go, "That's too expensive." Then you say, "Well, how much did you spend the last time you went out and had five drinks at a bar?" It's about what a massage costs. Uh, so that's it's one of those things where I actually did do this, even as I was you know, becoming successful the way I am now. Um, that kind of advice, it, it's real, and it, it's not just for not just for the ladies, except for the lavender. I mean, come on. Just what's kidding. a more manly essential oil? Yeah, what's a manly essential oil? I don't know, clary sage. Oh, that sounds very manly. Musk, musk. I don't know. Yeah, musk. Um, <laughs> man, musk. Beaver pelt. No, <laughs> I don't know. But one of the things. So when I was when I was in Chicago, I was working. Um, I was working a job where I had to do the reverse commute in the winter. So it was like uphill both ways in the snow, right? Um, yep. In tra Chicago traffic. And trying to figure out my health and trying to live a normal life. And it was very tough because I didn't have a, a ton of money to, to spend on things. And 
what I ended up doing was using things like Groupon and I ended up getting like those 30 day passes to yoga and I would go to hot yoga every day for, you know, $5 or something. And, nice. um, and then I would utilize the different, um, coupons for, for massage. And I just found a way to work it into my lifetime. Um, even on my stressful drive, I would listen to relaxing kind of motivational things and just really try to put my body into that relaxing state whenever I had the opportunity. So there's ways to, you can multitask in a positive way. Like if you, if you're currently have a horrible commute on the way to work and you hate it, listen to Bulletproof Radio, right? Every, every day. Nice plug. Um, Very subtle. Yeah, very subtle, but no, you can, you can definitely (laughs) listen to things to that make you feel like you're growing as a person and putting yourself in a, in a more happy, motivated state. You know, one thing that I used to do during all the incredible stops on my my commute back when my commute wasn't through a garden, uh, or by the way, I'm on airplanes all the time, so I'm sort of exaggerating. Um, but I'd come to a stoplight and I would do box breathing, which is something I think I've, it's in all of my books at this point. But you breathe in for some number of seconds, hold for some number of seconds, breathe out for some number of seconds, hold empty. And I got to the point where I could do like one breath per minute, like just breathe in real wow. slowly. And, but you're sitting at a stoplight, you might as well do something that relaxes your nervous system. And then while you're waiting for the light to change or whatever, um, then you want to kill people a lot less because, uh, well, you're doing that Navy SEAL breath thing that makes you more relaxed. So it, that helps me anyway. Uh, Isabella, I want to switch gears a little bit. Uh, you and I both care a lot about food. I fundamentally think food is the single biggest tool you have to increase your performance, to change how you look, to change how your brain works. But there's a lot of other stuff out there as well. You came up with a concept called food pharmacology, and you actually wrote a cookbook based on this that just came out, and a cookbook that I I recommend. What is different about food pharmacology versus, hey, I've got a bunch of cool, you know, paleo, bulletproof inspired recipes, you know, go eat them? With food pharmacology, what one of the theories that I kind of came up with, and this being a nerdy pharmacist, I reason I went out, went to pharmacy school is because I was so fascinated with how a tiny little substance can change a person's physiology. When you look at LSD, right, it's, it's micrograms and you can have this, uh, 300 pound man hallucinate off of just tiny amounts. It's also, it's plant-based. Just want to point that out. It is plant-based. And, and, you know, whether that <laughs> big man is hallucinating might be a good thing or a bad thing, depending, depending on, you know, depending on what's going on in, in the world. But, uh, you know, tiny, tiny substances can have profound effects on our bodies. And when I first got diagnosed with Hashimoto's, I was like, okay, great. I can just take a little bit of thyroid hormone. Perfect. Going to be great. Everything's going to be solved. Here's my cure, right? But it didn't really work that way. And that's because these tiny healing medications, they were just sending one message. And my body was receiving dozens, hundreds, if not thousands of other messages from other sources that were saying, oh, no healing for you, right? Let's mm-hmm. cause inflammation. And one of those messages was coming from food. So I, I, I just realized that, you know, you could take medications and, and these were substances that you could, you could take internally and, and they would be sending these signals, messages to your body. But the other things in your life also sent signals. So these could be foods, right? 
the foods we were taking had a profound effect on our physiology, on our biology, just as medications did. And, and that's how I came up with food pharmacology. And it's not just about the foods that we eat, but how are we digesting those foods? And are there other nutrients that we may be missing when we're changing our diet? So for me, my goal with this book was to help people become their own nutrition gurus when they read it. So they would know not just to what foods to eat and not eat and have some great recipes, which are all in there, but also figuring out like, okay, if I have this symptom, what do I need to modify? Is there a digestive enzyme that I need to take? Or is there a nutrient that can really uplevel my response to nutrition? I'm actually really glad you wrote the book because this is what's missing. I, I just spent so many years where something's wrong in my gut, I have no idea uh, what's going on with this, I will do anything. And so in my case, I'm like, I will do everything and I would just research the crap out of it and then I would go out and spend stupid amounts of money on every single thing that might work and try them all. Um, and the practice of biohacking has evolved over the last 20 years, heck, it even has a name now. Uh, but we're getting to the point where we can now say, based on these symptoms, based on these genetics, based on you know, this poop test or whatever, uh, this is more likely to work than something else. So it's much less of a, a shot in the dark, but what that's happened with pharmacology and certainly with supplements, um, and it's getting better in those. But with food, there are so few people who are talking about things that I wrote about in, in 2014 in the Bulletproof Diet. Hey, did you know the nightshade family contributes to rheumatoid arthritis in a substantial number of people? These are potatoes and tomatoes and eggplants and, and bell peppers and spicy peppers and things. Um, and now finally, you know, a few years later, there's a whole book about that that came out. Um, Stephen Gunder is on the show about it. But it's like one of the many plant compounds that can either be good for you or trash you. What is one of the things that isn't a lectin from nightshades that you find is a particularly troublesome thing for people who are dealing with autoimmunity? There's a lot of different foods that are going to be problematic. One of them is going to be, you know, gluten and dairy. Those are the probably the two, two biggest foods. And so I just want to throw that out there. Um, for a lot of people, that's going to be highly reactive. Another food um, that I think people are surprised about because it's generally going to be a pretty healthy food is going to be eggs. Mm -hmm. We find that unfortunately, some people will be very reactive to eggs and eggs might cause eczema. They might cause cystic acne in one person. Um, they might cause horrific digestive issues. And generally, eggs are a beautiful food. It's They're a natural food. They can be organic and um, and all that. And so that's going to be another thing. And, and not everybody's going to be sensitive to it. So, so my goal is to give people kind of establish a communication pathway for them between their bodies and what the things that they're ingesting. So they realize, okay, you know, perhaps eggs don't work for me or for another person, the eggs might work for them just fine. So that that's, I think a lot of people in that are healthy, health conscious, may be surprised about those are something that were really difficult when I was doing the Bulletproof Diet Roadmap. Eggs, especially egg yolks or egg yolks, they're so profoundly beneficial, but there's also some incidents of allergies. I'm like, do I put them in a Bulletproof Foods or do I put them in a Suspect Foods? Because I, I would want people who are doing the Bulletproof two-week thing uh, when they first get going to have the benefits and, and to feel the goodness that happens when you get enough um, egg yolks. So I was I was always torn on that one. I I don't know that there's a a correct answer one way or the other. Where unless you know from a, a lab test or from eliminating them for a while, uh, whether they're going to be a superfood or 
kryptonite. But um, thank you for pointing that one out because I think it's it's a big thing. And if people have eczema and they get rid of grains, it doesn't work. Well, the next thing is you might want to look at that dairy protein and eggs. Uh, yeah, and it and it's it's all about you and yeah. doing what's working for you. Let's talk about that other non-food item, toxic mold, uh, environmental toxic mold, or even in your food as a storage toxin that grows when it's you know sitting in the mill or something. Um, what is your experience with that being a trigger for Hashimoto's or other autoimmune conditions? I think uh, mold is a highly unappreciated trigger. One of the challenges that we see a lot with people who are like super health conscious, even they'll be like, they're eating this great diet, they're exercising and they're on a great supplement regimen, but they have mold in their homes and they end up just being, you know, I want to say like destroyed by something like, like this toxin. And I would say for people, um, to really understand what diet can and cannot do. So they're, Nutrition is fundamental to our health, right? Um, but if you've been on a clean diet for two, three months and you're still struggling, and if you're doing digestive enzymes and nutrients and all the things that you know we talk about in our in our books, but you're still struggling, there's got to be something else that could be happening. And and whether that's you know having a, a toxic relationship, right, or toxic mold in your home, you can't necessarily like out eat your way out of that, right? I, I certainly never could. And long-term listeners know that this is something that affected my health greatly as a, as a child and, again, as as a young adult, just living in a house that had had water damage before I moved in, where you, you didn't even know, but you're like, wow, why, why do I have sinus infections all the time? Why do I keep gaining weight? I mean, why am I pissed off all the time? It's like you're breathing psychoactive chemicals that also piss off your immune system. And I, I have two suggestions uh, for, for you if you're listening to this going, wait, what? What did you just say? One is, I filmed a whole documentary. It took a huge amount of time and, and frankly, money to do this. It's free. It's moldymovie.com. You can go there and watch interviews with leading names, Daniel Amen, Mark Hyman, uh, just just a, a huge number of people, as well as people who have been affected. Like This is real, and it, it can affect only one person in a house, and the other person doesn't feel it. Uh, so you're not crazy. And the second thing is, because this is such a passion for me, I actually started a company called Home Biotic. And Homebiotic makes a probiotic spray that I spray around my house because it eats toxic mold before it can grow. Uh, so it's what happens in soil. And those are actually my personal practices and things I've started to, to well, be a game changer, you could say, even though my main focus is on Bulletproof and all the big things we're doing here. Uh, so anyway, you should do that. That's moldymovie.com and homebiotic.com, like probiotic, but with a home. Uh, Isabella, Amazing. What are the other triggers besides mold and certain foods and emotional stress? Anything else we should be watching out for? You know, a really, really big trigger is going to be gut infections or infections anywhere in the body. I feel like that's very highly unappreciated. And a lot of times I'll see people who are, you know, pretty much eating ice chips because they can't tolerate a billion different foods. And Things that people should know is is generally if you have really good gut health, you should not be sensitive to a ton of foods. You might be sensitive to one, two foods maybe, but everything else should be pretty well tolerated. Um, one particular pathogen that I found very commonly in people with Hashimoto's is Blastocystis hominis. It sounds um, sounds kind of out there, right? And 
it's it's actually a, a very tiny, tiny protozoa. So it's not like one of those giant worms that swims in your entire gut. You're not going to see it in the toilet. It's not going to jump out of you or anything like that. But it is something you could find on a stool test. And when you find that you have it and you treat it accordingly, you'll be able to find that you can get a lot of the foods back that you, you were once sensitive to. Um, it, so, so underappreciated. It's awesome that you mentioned that. Because back when I was testing out the Bulletproof diet, before I wrote the book, I had it dialed in. Like I could just keep my weight. I was never hungry. I could keep my weight right where I wanted it to be and everything worked. And then suddenly over about six weeks, I gained 15 pounds. And I'm like, I don't even, I've thrown away my fat pants three years ago. Like, like what the heck is going on here? And I was kind of freaking out going, you know, maybe, maybe all this research and all, maybe it doesn't work. You know, what, what's, what's going on? And I did a bunch of gut tests with experts and all that, and I actually had blasto, which you just talked about, uh, which was what triggered it. So I took something, I don't remember what, this was like, I don't know, seven, eight years ago. Uh, I took some nice pharmaceutical that killed- Alinea? Probably. Yeah. Killed the little bastards, and magically, I lost the 15 pounds the next month, and I was back working perfectly normally, but it was just that one little protozoa, God knows where I got it, uh, but- uh, it, it does make a big difference. And I, uh, I mean, it's hard to say whether it caused additional food sensitivities for me or not, because I think my, my three months of zero carbs at all, uh, probably caused the food sensitivities where I was like, Hey, let me try it. This early days of keto before it was, was talked about the way it is now, you know, bulletproof, the blog played a pretty big role in saying, Hey, keto is a performance enhancer, not just for epileptics. And it, it also makes you not hungry and lose weight and all. But um, so I said, I'm going to try the Inuit style thing where it's all just fat and some meat. And, Did you eat whale blubber? You know, I tried to catch a whale, but they're really fast. No, <laughs> of course I didn't eat whale blubber. Uh, but it, uh, I could, I suppose they swim right past my house. The The big problem I had though was, was towards the end of that, I I would wake up 12 times every night and I wouldn't even know it. My sleep monitor told me. And I was just a zombie all the time, and I was kind of angry and, and just really felt not so good. And when I was done with that, I had an allergy to eggs that I had not had previously at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I got another uh, allergy that I hadn't had before. And uh, and I've, I've mostly worked through the egg thing. I, I still don't eat them on a regular basis, which is really painful because a lot of my favorite recipes are egg-based. Um, but I had to back off of them for a little while. And I still think they're a superfood if you tolerate them. What I think happened, maybe it was blasto, but it was also uh, just your gut bacteria can start to eat the lining of your gut when they have no food over time, right? And it's, if you're eating no carbs, but you're eating fiber, you know those green vegetable things, at least they can eat that. Uh, so I think I just gave myself really bad leaky gut. And this is one of those reasons that I keep telling people, look, Having uh, being ketosis all the time forever is probably not a very good strategy for you. It's that's the bulletproof diet is a cyclical ketogenic diet where you can go in and go out of ketosis. You can have ketones present all the time using exogenous ketones in the form of brain octane, uh, which just turns up your ketones. Uh, but uh, I I'm really opposed to uh, you know zero protein or you know. Uh, an extreme vegan, low fat sort of perspective or a keto all the time perspective, you can vacillate between the two all you want. But if you do just one for long periods of time, it seems like it wrecks you. What have you seen in your patients? You know, I agree. And I, I feel like when you're extended 
when you're just eating the same foods over and over again, you know, you're going to be depleting nutrients because you're not going to be getting the nutrients and the, um, I guess the material for the, to have diverse gut flora. Right. Um, and then you're also going to be depleting your digestive enzymes. And so the biggest thing I see with people is when they, let's say they first go gluten-free and dairy-free, and then they're just like, okay, let's just have rice or soy for every meal. Then they end up sensitive to rice and soy. Um, so one of the, there's a few things I actually recommend, and I talk about them in, in um, the Food Pharmacology book, but one of them is going to be focused on making sure that you're eating a variety of foods and rotating your foods. Um, what you're doing with the eggs is is the right idea. So if you were to eat eggs for breakfast, lunch, and dinner every day, um, there's a chance that you might be depleted in digestive enzymes, that you might just not be getting the right kind of fuel in your body, and so you might become sensitive to them. So I gen- generally recommend uh, food like that to be rotated every four to seven days um, when you're trying to get it back into your system. The second thing is making sure that you're digesting foods properly. The fastest ways to develop food sensitivities is by not digesting your foods properly. So going through and getting digestive enzymes um, for protein and fat would be in the case of eggs, right? Because that's what they contain would be a really good thing to do. And probably the third biggest thing I would recommend is looking into systemic enzymes. So systemic enzymes are are going to be enzymes that are taken when you're not eating, so on an empty stomach. And they break apart the circulating immune complexes that we create against foods and against our own bodies. Um, What's very interesting is they can reduce food sensitivities and they can actually reduce and eliminate antibodies to our own thyroid gland and other parts of our body that are present in autoimmunity. So those are probably the biggest things that I recommend. Um, and, And to your point about people being on diets, and sustaining these diets long term, I do see people ending up feeling better on a vegan diet at first and then feeling worse eventually because they become depleted. Same thing with keto. They feel better on keto at first and they're losing weight. Their brain's working great. And then all of a sudden they're like, oh my God, I can't ride a bike. I'm so tired. And so, yeah, yeah there's there's a balance in there. And hopefully all of, all of what I said made sense. Uh, there's something called a dirty keto, which is going back to the year I was born. You know, Robert Atkins came out with this book and it was like, hey, don't eat any carbs, but it's okay to eat fried pork rinds, margarine, soybean oil, corn oil, and soy protein and uh, fake sweeteners as long as you don't eat any carbs. So what happened to me back then is what happens to people who go on the dirty keto approach today where they're eating industrial feedlot meat and all that stuff. You lose half the weight you have to lose then you then you plateau and then you get tired and cranky, right? And you know, then you become one of the angry keto ranters online, um, fighting with the angry depleted vegan ranters, and then it's like <laughs> a whole wasteland of like dietary warfare, and none of which is necessary. Uh, just sip some tea and watch watch that happen. Right? Exactly, or bone broth if you're on the other side. I'm just kidding, yeah. <laughs> but uh, you said something about systemic enzymes that is worth uh, mentioning. The most common ones are seropeptase and natokinase um, that I'm familiar with. And going back, geez, almost, I want to say 18 years ago, uh, I went through a period where I got to know the manufacturer of one of the brands of those. And they talked about some off the record stuff. And they had people taking Mm -hmm. 200 capsules of systemic enzymes a day, 300 capsules a day on an empty stomach. Uh, And so being who I am, I'm like, 
I'll do that. So for about six weeks, I think I spent four or $500 a week on systemic enzymes. I mean, I was just like eating them like a meal. And what they had found is that when you get very high doses, they break up scar tissue throughout the body. And I did see like a softening of the scar tissues from the surgeries and injuries I've had. And uh, all the, the muscle adhesions where your fascia gets adhered to things, those break up. Uh, which blew me away in addition to all the, the circulating complexes. Now, you might think that's a good thing, and it probably is, but it's also a bad thing because if you have an adhesion in your movement pattern, it's there to protect you from something. And if you don't correct the movement pattern with functional movement and you break up the adhesion, you end up with a less stable system, which I probably did do. But to this day, when people do like a really aggressive, like Russian-style electrical screening uh, where they'll run a current to see where it hurts. So like, you only have six. Like most people have hundreds of these. Or oh. I did like the Russian, uh, it's a kind of traditional uh, shamanic Russian healing they do uh, where they take these things that look like drumsticks and like stick them under your tissues and, and then they hit you with this big whip thing. I swear it was healing. That's what they told me. Uh, <laughs> yeah. That, huh. <laughs> it, it actually comes from the Altai. That's fun. Yeah. <laughs> it comes from the Altai people and... Uh, Anyway, the same thing, his, you know, advanced Russian master uh, is, is like kind of broken. He's going, I, I do not understand. Like his body is like sand uh, in that it doesn't, it didn't stick the way he expected. And I think that was the systemic enzymes. That's why I'm kind of going off on that story. Um, so I, I think they could be incredibly powerful, but you're talking about normal doses for like, what is like six pills a day on empty stomach before bed kind of thing. You know, the, the kind of, the standard dosing is about five, maybe three to six on an empty stomach three times a day. What I will generally recommend is about five to 10, three times a day on an okay. empty stomach. So a little bit more, but not quite 300. <laughs> you had to drink lots of water. And by the way, I'm not recommending that anyone go out and yeah, do yeah. that. This is what you know a manufacturer of these was saying, look, we've done this with a few people and you should try this. And there's been some guys on the show, uh, the BioOptimizers guys talking about systemic enzymes as well. But the the idea here is is taking some of those might prevent a problem from happening, or it might make a problem get better. Uh, and mm -hmm. if you take even those same ones with food, they digest the food. You take them on empty stomach, they digest the parts of you that you don't want. Is a good way to put it. Yes, unless you know you don't take too many of them. So we have had people who've been able to eliminate food sensitivities and thyroid antibodies with using systemic enzymes, which has been. Pretty cool um, to see their mm. lab results with that. That's a big but hack. They, how yeah. long? How long did it take for them to achieve that? Um, with one person, it was just a month. Wow. With another person, it was like three to four months. And I generally tell people if after three months you don't really see any results, then move on to something else. I would say um, what's interesting is people will notice less joint pain. That's that's one of the big things that they're known for. Yeah. And then people that have any kind of swelling in their bodies, they'll be able to notice, they'll, they'll say like, oh, I could look in the mirror and my face is, I could just tell it's less swollen. So that's how you'll know that it's working. It is a bit, you know, it, it is kind of like a full-time job because you have to like take all of them uh, multiple times a day on an empty stomach. So you really have to be mindful about that. And for, for some people, it's one of the things that they find it's challenging to incorporate into their lives, but it can be a huge game changer. Isabella, do you have any other like major pieces of advice uh, for, for people who probably are at risk for turning on autoimmunity, but just don't know it? 
I mean, I don't think people who are saying, I feel pretty good right now. I don't think I have this. Uh, I'm not going to go do a lavender Epsom salt foot bath uh, tomorrow and maybe I'll get a massage every now and then, but really I'm going to go skiing. Give me some real actionable things for people who have not gone down the path that you and I have gone down because we're such ass kickers. You know, honestly, it would be focused on making sure that you're taking that time for yourself when learning to say no, right? So learning when to say yes and when to say no, there's a lot of times where we can really, if we're high achievers, we and or people pleasers or both, right, we can really push ourselves beyond the limits of when we should be pushed. And I would say like, one of the biggest things for me has been learning just to say no, and that it's okay to say no. Um, and if, if you're, you know, maybe, maybe like, don't do the black diamonds. If you're not feeling a hundred percent, if you're, if your aura <laughs> ring is not telling you that you're at above 90%, don't do the black diamond, right? Like kind of, it's okay to, to do the bunny slope sometimes when, when, even when everybody else is doing the black diamonds. It's a little bit of uh, of self-kindness there. All right, one more thing for you. You told everyone earlier in the episode that they should sleep, but you're a new mother. Congratulations, by the way. Thank you. So. So I don't sleep. <laughs> special advice yes. for moms, because by the way, moms are more likely to get Hashimoto's, right? Post-pregnancy? I don't, you know, I don't know how, like having a baby, I don't know how people, how every mom doesn't get Hashimoto's after <laughs> pregnancy. Um you know, and that's where it comes really hard to, um, or what's the word? That's when it becomes actually really important that you take care of yourself. There's a lot of research that shows that whatever the mom is going through, the baby will kind of um, go off of. So, so we talked a little bit offline about like heart rate variability and and how calm you are and how you present yourself. And and I can I can tell even with my baby, like if I'm if I'm having a stressed out day, we had a bunch of visitors for Thanksgiving. It was wonderful, but we were kind of stressed out. And I had some adrenaline that I think I gave him through my, you know, milk and through just holding him where he was kind of like, okay, you know, he was high energy then too. So it's extra important for new moms to, to take on more of that self-care. So any moment that you can find when your baby's napping, I know this is so commonly overused, but Take a nap with your baby if you can, possibly. Um, get other people to to help you out around the house. So, like one of the one of the things I did before I had the baby, and not just setting up the nursery and doing all those fun things where you shop for really cute baby clothes, but I really looked at things I was doing in my life that were taking a lot of my energy and effort, and I really cleared the decks for myself. So, um, making sure that all of your bills on an on automatic pay that you have good systems, good organization, that you've got people you could count on to help you out because it's going to be a trying process. And, uh, sleep deprivation is, is something that is challenging in, in so many ways. It's a great time for our bodies to restore. So you want to sneak in times where you can nap and you don't want to be worrying about all these other non-essentials like, you know, cleaning your house, cooking, or paying your bills or, um, you know, walking your dog or what, whatever it is that, the the duties that you have. I think that's uh, uh, that's really fair advice. Uh, and 
your comment that you don't know how every mother uh, doesn't get Hashimoto's, it is an extra stressful time and one that I think a lot of people, if you haven't had kids yet, or maybe you just blank it out because it's such a trying time for those first couple of years. I mean, it's, it, it is a, something that can establish long-term food allergies and it's, it is another stressor and one that, that's both, it's really good, uh, but it's also stressful. So you want to manage those stressors as best you can, just like you do in the rest of life. Uh, and the point in, in Game Changers is that if you manage those enough uh, via all the different tools like that, that your resilience and your performance in the short term and your performance in the long term over decades will be much higher than if you just sort of like, I'm just going to lean in and you just you know smear myself against the wall at 100 miles an hour. And eventually you're like, this kind of hurts and maybe isn't the long term strategy, right? Absolutely. Yeah. This, I feel like new motherhood is a prime time to be extra kind to yourself and really eat great foods, take your supplements, try to get a massage, try to get, you know, that hot bath in whenever you can and and just enjoy that time with, with your little person. Um, It's also a good time uh, to practice what you write about in food pharmacology, uh, your cookbook, eat good stuff. I mean, my first book was on fertility and uh, and I, I care greatly about that for kids as well as adults. And I, I think it's time to revolutionize uh, and rebuild our entire food supply for humans. And I'm, I'm working hard on that one. But in the meantime, I do think you have some new and noteworthy things in food pharmacology, which is the reason I wanted to have you on, just to tell people listening, if you're looking for some new food ideas, I uh, look for some new recipes, uh, ways that will save money versus going out to a restaurant and also uh, taste really good and give you some more control of your own biology, check out Food Pharmacology, Isabella's new book. Isabella, thank you so much for being on Bulletproof Radio. Thank you for being in Game Changers, and I appreciate you. Thank you so much, Dave. I really appreciate you. If you like today's episode, you know what to do. Head on out there and pick up your copy of Food Pharmacology if you like to cook. And then practice gratitude. And if you've read Game Changers, you know how important gratitude is. If you haven't read Game Changers, pick it up already. You listen to the show all the time. You're going to get more ROI on reading that book than you just did listening to this show. And for both books, here's how you practice gratitude. Go to Amazon. Click the review button. Click five stars if you think the books merit it, which I promise you they do. And then leave a little comment because it does two things. It lets Isabella and me know that our work matters, which we care about a lot. It also lets other people figure out that it's worth their time. So you're totally doing a solid. It takes you 10 seconds. So leave a review for Game Changers. Leave a review for Food Pharmacology. Thank you. The Human Upgrade, formerly Bulletproof Radio, was created and is hosted by Dave Asprey. The information contained in this podcast is provided for informational purposes only and is not intended for the purposes of diagnosing, treating, curing, or preventing any disease. Before using any products referenced on the podcast, consult with your healthcare provider, carefully read all labels, and heed all directions and cautions that accompany the products. Information found or received through the podcast should not be used in place of a consultation or advice from a healthcare provider. If you suspect you have a medical problem or should you have any healthcare questions, please promptly call or see your healthcare provider. This podcast, including Dave Asprey and the producers, disclaim responsibility for any possible adverse effects from the use of information contained herein. Opinions of guests are their own, and this podcast does not endorse or accept responsibility for statements made by guests. This podcast does not make any representations or warranties about guest qualifications or credibility. This podcast may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products or services.
Individuals on this podcast may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to herein. This podcast is owned by Bulletproof Media.